1: Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners,
0: entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. Welcome back, fam, season two of Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, I'm feeling very, very, very vulnerable right now without my right hand woman with me. We're in stage four lockdowns. She's actually watching me on FaceTime. I'm like, Tal, I'm so nervous doing this by myself. Thanks, sister. Thank you. Tal and I are really excited about the upcoming season. We talk on social issues. We talk about business and failure and starting up your own business and... There's a few conversations with just Tal and I answering your questions, which you guys asked for. So we're really looking forward to season two. And this first step is one that's really close to both mine and Tal's heart. It's about Black Lives Matter. As most of you know, Tal and I spend a bit of time in LA and we have a really diverse group there. And one of our best friends, Steph, she identifies as a black woman and when all this kicked off, end of May, June, both Tully and I reached out to Steph and there was just a lot of things that we didn't know what was right and wrong to do with the whole scenario. Like we posted the black tiles but we still didn't feel that like that was enough and did we take it down because another person said another thing. We were really confused and we thought the best thing for us to do to support our friend Steph was to have a conversation with her. And then we thought, you know what, let's record this conversation for everyone and to hear Steph's story of growing up as a black lady in, and Tal's going to say lady, say woman. (laughs) Sorry, I said lady, Tal. Growing up in LA and honestly some of the stories Steph told me I couldn't believe, even stories that had happened Two, three weeks ago. It just blows my mind that this kind of stuff is still going on in our world. So I hope you guys enjoy listening. I hope you take something from it. I know for me, the big message is empathy and putting yourself in someone else's shoes and feeling what they would be feeling in a certain scenario. So if you can do th- that as you listen to Steph, um, I think you will be able to really take on what emotion she feels as a black lady woman. Sorry, Tal. <laughs> you can hear Tully giggling. But, Steph, we love you. Thank you so much for sitting down and being so raw and honest, and we all hope you enjoy what Tully said. Don't forget to like, subscribe
1: and comment and share with all your friends. Enjoy. What's up, guys? So today we have a very, very special international guest and I'm super excited to have you on today. Let's welcome
2: Steph Matsuba. Hey, girlfriend. Hey, girl. Hey, I'm cracking up when you said international guest. I was like, who's the international guest? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Clearly
1: that's you because you're <laughs> based in LA and we're in Melbourne, currently locked here. But thanks for coming on Curious Conversations today.
2: Thanks for having me. You guys are the best.
0: Now, Steph, this is a conversation that Tal and I wanted to have with you for a long time and we would be having this conversation, we're like, hey, why don't we just record this anyway? Mm -hmm. But we wanted to to chat to you about Black Lives Matter.
1: Mm. and your experience as being a black woman in the United States obviously here in Australia we're not very educated um, and obviously a lot of Americans white Americans are not educated as well and we thought it was a really important topic to just touch on and you've been so into that space that you're the perfect person to help educate us and obviously a lot of our listeners if they're Australian based international Europe wherever we just um, think it's important to touch on.
2: I love that. I think it's so, um, and I think that actually this is the best type of way to learn is it's good to talk with people if they're open, of course, um, who you're already familiar with, because they will know and understand a bit more about you. So it can be um, much more approachable. I think, you know, Black Lives Matter, I watched this amazing uh, interview. It's super brief with LeBron the other day, but they were, they were interviewing him a lot about Black Lives Matter and they, they were like, oh, well, what do you think about Black Lives Matter as a movement? He's like, Black Lives Matter for us isn't a movement. If you're Black, this is your everyday reality no matter what. Um, the, there may have been momentum that's been picked up over the past however many months because of the, you know, terrible murders that we've witnessed and seen all captured. But, um, I think that if you look at it from just what it actually is at its simplest form, like literally, it's just about us being Black and our lives meaning something and being valuable and us being able to say that and claim mm. that um, because some people do not feel that way, yeah, whether they realize it or not.
1: Yeah. I think it's important as well to like let people know that this Black Lives Matter movement isn't just 2020. It's been going on for a long, long time. So... You being a Black woman that grew up in America, can you tell us like a little bit about
2: your experiences with the whole thing? Oh my gosh, of course. I mean, I think, you know, and you guys know, my parents are (coughs) mixed race. My Mm -hmm. dad is Japanese. My mom is Haitian, Black. But they got married in the 80s and that was, and they, you know, got together in the 70s. It was still a time where that wasn't necessarily... Well, a was not common. It's still not common, but b, um, you, you fight a lot of uh, a lot of prejudice mm-hmm. um, when it's at a time where race is at the forefront. So, I think just for us, we grew up in a predom- I mean, we're from Orange County. We grew up in a predominantly white environment, and so I was always very used to being different, or very used to people commenting on the fact that we're black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially as a child, that's a lot of trauma. You don't realize it at the time when it's happening but like the very stereotypical things like why is your hair like this or why is your butt like this or why do black people steal things you know people hear you hear things that your parents say then you come say them at school and then you say them to who are your friends and then I'll you know someone will tell me what they've said to me at school I'll go home tell my mom my mom says who said that to you (laughs) yeah um, but you don't is, see any problem with it when it's happening. You don't know the context. You don't understand. You don't get it. You don't know.
0: Do you? Do you get any form of racism or discrimination from like work or workplaces you've gr- been brought up
2: in? That's a really. I mean, i Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say race in the workplace especially corporate america or uh i work in the technology space especially in the technology space wow um there is a lot of racism mm-hmm. really? and it it's it's mostly just because of who dominates an industry or who is whoever is the most marginalized within that industry no matter what it's going to lend itself to issues with race or the same thing with women it's gonna if there's less women it's always going to lend itself to having more bias in a way that's not healthy it, you know because you end up like as a black woman I always end up being the black woman within the technology space that's now speaking on behalf of all black people mm-hmm. but it's I'm like no this is my just my unique experience this is my perspective from my vantage point etc um but yeah, it's really hard. I think microaggressions are the most common within the workplace. So people may be doing things or saying things that they're not even really aware of that are are negative. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Another thing that
0: if you're comfortable in sharing, we were speaking on the phone the other week and just that week, you said that you, uh, someone had attempted to run you off the road and they had a Confederate flag so on their car. so fucking
1: crazy. I'm like, this just, sorry, I'm so happy we're having this conversation because that actually blows my fucking mind that that even happens. Like, it's still happening
0: in America today.
1: Like that, can you, like, uh, sorry, I'm so shook. I didn't know
2: what to say. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like the same way I'm sure as you, you both would feel like we're all, you know, the same age. We're, we're yeah. just out here living our life. And yeah, I was just coming out of. I think I was coming out of the supermarket, and it was the week when the stuff was happening. I'm not sure if um, you both saw it with Bubba Wallace, and I, it was our Driver, and there, yes. was, there, was, there was. Oh stuff. yes, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: But the flag was at uh, was a topic of discussion again, and and it's interesting. Whenever something about the flag, the Confederate flag, comes up, people feel I think a sense if you are if you're a If you really, really feel strongly about the Confederate flag, they all come out. And so, yeah, this guy, he had a huge Confederate flag in the back of his truck, his huge, it'd be like a big, big truck. And I kind of saw it from when I was coming out of the grocery store and I made a left and then he sped up and chased me and then was (gasps) chasing me out. Yeah, and I just pulled. I like pulled. It, it's right by my house, so I just pulled into this spot where it's over by the university. That is so, can you just but,
1: tell people like that don't know what that flag
2: represents? I mean, that's it's it is t- it is the in the in the Civil War in the United States, okay. the Confederate flag was the flag where you are saying basically you are do not want to have integration. You don't want mm-hmm. slavery to go away. I mean that's the worst. Most layman's (laughs) description, a historian would not describe it that way, but
1: so to see something like that, your emotions are like, what are you what do you feel?
0: Like in that in that scenario, were you scared? Were you fearful? Were you angry? Like what do you do?
2: You know, I think it's yeah, it's scary. Mm. Super scary. Yeah, it's scary. and super unco- It's super uncomfortable in a way that, like, I didn't come home and tell my parents or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, in the moment, didn't try to take a picture of his license plate or anything like that because I didn't want to engage or I didn't want. Yeah. I didn't want that to escalate it. Um, but yeah, it's terrifying. And That's even what- with a Confederate flag, you guys, the same way that I can't speak about it in this huge academic way is mm-hmm. because it's so pre our time. Like, yep. I, we were not alive in that time when that happened. so for someone to be still that attached to that symbol, that which I think represents so much hate and just so, oh. just not what world we're trying to move into, um, it's kind of scary because it shows that people are holding on to values that just do not agree with where we need to move just, yeah. you know, even as a country. So,
1: So basically, like, freedom for you in the United States at the moment isn't, like, a thing really no no I have a question because you have
0: lived in Australia you lived here for quite a bit in Melbourne
1: I taught you yoga (laughs) yes I was my yoga teacher
0: (laughs) um did you can you explain the difference between America and Australia and the racism experienced here and there like we had this conversation the other day and you were saying that America is actually built on a racist culture
1: which mm-hmm. is so wild.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. I mean I think you know it's interesting and I'm sure that you both feel this when you come to LA. Yeah. Is that you just immediately recognize a different air. Whatever <laughs> it is, it's just different. Mm-hmm. So with me living in Melbourne the most immediate thing I realized was I was like, "Whoa, this is a really an international city, mm-hmm. but Australia is a very racist country, And before I moved there, and I don't mean that accusationally, I mean yeah. there were different issues with race than what I had was currently experiencing living in l a
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and so before I came had moved, my mom had actually sat me down and talked to me about um, she she was like I don't know if you should move there. <laughs> She's like it doesn't seem like it's super safe for brown people to be living there. Um you know I she did a, like a bunch of research, you know, just on the internet. I think it was like 2010. And um I actually learned a bit more from working in the bars because mm-hmm. there were um just things that people would say or different interactions that and terminology that I wasn't familiar with that I realized was, were racial terms. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and so I was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that that was what was the, the baseline for a lot of people and yeah. not even that it was, it's not bad. It's just so different. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of Americans that I was living with at the time all felt the same way. Um, It's just so, it's the only way I can really describe it is it being different.
1: Yeah, that's so crazy.
0: And so, when this movement started end of May, start of June, and rallies started to happen in LA, I know personally I wanted to reach out to you and have a conversation, but I also knew you would be overwhelmed with people and what's going on. It's also you don't know how to approach either. Yeah, and that was the thing. I was like, I personally, I knew. I didn't know what to do. I could share a black tile. I could repost things, but for me, I knew that wasn't enough.
1: Yeah. Mm. And I think I, and it's the same thing like touching on that black tile for me being, both of us being here in Australia and it was very loud on social media and you almost felt this like guilt. If I didn't post, it means that I don't care, but you do care, but we don't know how, exactly what Sarah saying, you just don't know how to reach out, like, Obviously, we know you personally, we've got a lot of, um, you know, African, like black friends in America. It's like, you don't know what to do. So instead, we wanted to educate ourselves and how, like, what was your question? I just kind of wanted to touch I, on that. It's I wanted to know
0: how active you were in the rallies and in the whole yeah. movement in Los Angeles initially.
2: Hmm. Well, so first of all, also, you guys, though, what you're saying is good. You know, you just have to do what feels you know the difference between right and wrong and you mm-hmm. know what commitment looks like and feels like and that's not for anyone to question or judge etc like you only know that in your heart right so mm-hmm. I think and and similarly with when the protest started happening um I actually I actually was doing a lot of organization of um other things like I was trying to help activate a bunch of people that I already have platforms and amplify them, or I was trying to contribute to a lot of the campaigns that they were working on. And, um, my family, actually, my mom, um, my sister, her fiance, um, and myself and a bunch of her friends, you know, after a certain point, you, you just, it's like, we're fighting for our life. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's less about what actually means, you know, I'm such a practical thinker. I'm like, what is the most effective thing I can do right now? Similar to probably how you guys feel what can I do that will have the most drive the most impact? I think for a lot of black people, you hit a moment where it's just like we just gotta get out there, you know? Yeah. And it's we you know that going out there is not solving everything in one yeah. day, but it's it that the it was that much intensity. Um in the States at that time. That's just what it felt like. You just, it was, our lives are always at risk, but at that moment it was like life or death. Yeah. And that's why I think going out to the protest, it that's how it felt. And we had to still, you know, my mom's high risk for COVID. Oh my, I shouldn't say it. Oh my gosh. She's not high risk, just older than us, <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to protect her. So, oh, you know, we were trying to social distance and, you know, we would see a lot of friends We're like, no touchy, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, We did go out um and told to your point about the tiles. Yeah. Was I was so, so confused. Yeah. That was so hectic. Those women that started what was supposed to be Blackout Tuesday, yeah. such an amazing and it was successful, right? Mm. It was to pause specifically. The intention was let's pause my understanding, the music industry specifically, yeah. and take a moment to get organized together. And also if you are a white person or a non-black person to take that time to educate yourself or take that time to have conversations like the conversation we're having now or those things. Um, but what ended up happening just like anything, you know, it's that danger of social media. Mm -hmm. It gives that two things, gives a peer pressure effect and then it also gives the misinformation. So people started using the wrong hashtag and I had other friends reaching out to me that morning. Do I post the black tile? Should I not post the black tile? I said, you know, you guys, it's a square on Instagram. I don't know. Just post it. I have no idea what the impact of that is. Mm-hmm. I know that if you're you're a smart person, you're capable, um, do something. And I think I even posted about it because I really genuinely had so many people asking me, should I post it? Should I post it? I said, you guys, I don't know. I have mm-hmm. no idea. If it feels good for you, post it. Um, but I know you can do something to educate yourself or you can go out to a protest if you're healthy. So those things yeah. but
1: I think it's like there was a lot of peer pressure I think I, I've got a few friends in the social media world as well and they were getting messages from a lot of women um in the black community uh, like oh no no I think it might have been I don't know if it was white. I'm not sure but getting messages abusing them because they didn't post a black tile and that's where I kind of got confused as well I'm just like by me posting a black tile it, like it's g- going to create awareness but it's not I'm not educating myself it's not It was very confusing. Um, Yeah, and that's another thing that I wanted to talk to you about confusion as well because I, and same with Sarah's, I don't look at anyone and be like, you have black skin, you have white skin. I treat everyone and think as everyone's equal, which blows my mind that this is still even happening and we're having this conversation. And we had a conversation before as well, like when this happened, it's like, I was hesitant to, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know whether to say African African American. I didn't know to say black. I was like, I was so confused. How would you educate us in having that like talking about it? Like, I didn't know if it was
2: offensive. I didn't like, I really
1: started to double think everything I was
2: saying. It's, you know what I think is, and I mean, this is the best compliment. Like, you just do things with such um. You, you, you do think so well, and one thing that I would say about conversations, especially that have to do with race, is mm-hmm. that there's no right. Yeah. and it's always going to be that something ends up being wrong, or it is going to be that you mislabel someone or all of that. So I think the first step is just giving yourself permission to know you'll probably get it wrong, and it might be messy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and by in the beginning, I mean, is whenever you're in a moment where you feel like hesitant, of not knowing how to navigate the situation. And I think that, you know, I, I, I identify as black, um, but you know, some people identify as African-American. I, I, I feel like black is a very, um, uh, safe term to mm-hmm. use if you're speaking to, um, an American that identifies as black. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, that would be my advice on that. And then I think that, you know, I, The truth is I have had, I had the same thing. I didn't know with some of my black male friends specifically, Mm -hmm. if they wanted me to reach out to them, if they wanted me to not reach out to them, if they were crying in their bedroom, if they were also out at protests, like it's been such an emotionally charged and traumatic time. And you have to remember that everybody is different in how they deal with this. And this has been a season of anything, like a season of awakening in my opinion for a lot of white people and a lot of white allies, but it has been a season of exhaustion, grief, trauma for the black community. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't want to be pausing our lives to be outstanding in the streets protesting. We just want to be treated the same way that our white counterparts and our friends are treated. And I know the same way you're saying, Like you don't see people as different. And that's the h- horrible thing. It's like, we're treated differently here. Mm. We have, you know, we're 45 steps back behind every other, you know, I'm, I'm constantly reminded how far behind I am just because of the color of my skin. And you already know that in the back of your mind. So it, it, it's hard to have friends when you realize it's like when you have a friend and you, they tell you about something they're going through something really hard, and then you 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 know you you're overwhelmed with emotion because it's like I had no idea that's what you're going through. Mm. I'm so sorry. I think that that's how a lot of my friends felt because um, it's not something that I, we talk about that often. But it's a lot. So um, yeah, that's that was my long-winded version of <laughs> you know. It's yeah. just you. You can get it wrong. You can get it. It's ne- there's no right, but especially with reaching out. I think a a good thing though is typically if you're reaching out to a black friend, try to make it, there's no ask of them. So it's like, you're not looking for them to emotionally support you, Mm -hmm. but it's more about just, just being, being who you are. But I like
0: that. I have a question. So with this movement, I, I, I comprehend like, the main, the main focus is like equality, but is this for the, for the, specifically for the government, like police and government, like, so education, health, like where, where do you want it to go to? Do you want to start a legislation where it like, I know healthcare is so different there yeah. to here, like we you have a good public health system and in America, you guys don't.
2: Mm-hmm. It's so, oh my goodness. It's so complicated, right? Yeah. Like, So many things. And I think with specifically with, um, so black, so black lives matter as an organization Mm. is, 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 is legitimately, um, fighting against, uh, police brutality. Yeah. Yeah. So police brutality and and there, and again, you know, I want us to be mindful of, although there is technically a Black Lives Matter movement happening, the Black community that doesn't technically identify with this as a movement. Yes. We just identify it as, as like us trying to matter. Mm-hmm. But but when you look at it from what the Black Lives Matter organization is trying to solve for with Deep on the Police and all of these initiatives, you've probably seen um, on all over social media and and in the news. It's, yeah, it's about making sure that we are taking a look at what is the system we're existing in, Yes, typically around this this thing that's killing us and also hurting our community and how do we fix it? And because our government is not taking it seriously and they're not fixing it, how can we apply pressure Mm -hmm. um, to fix it? And then there's, let's go down the list of all the other things that in America, we just have so many problems and we also need to be dealing with. Um, but specifically, that's, that's, I think, where the energy has been channeled towards. And especially with all of those, like, you know, call for Breonna Taylor's people to be, uh, excuse me, killers to be arrested. And and some of these things that we're pushing with legislation, those things are government specific, but still have to do with a police brutality.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, like, police and police brutality, had. How do you feel about police and what have have been
1: your experiences? Like, are you scared of the cops over there? I I wanted to know that too. Like, I hear it more males and I want to know, like I've heard a lot of males be like, they get taught, like I heard Angela Davis talking and she was teaching her children, you know, Mm -hmm. if you get pulled over, this is what you do. My thing is it was only for males. But, yeah, does it happen for females
2: as well? It's a really good question. I think there's, um, yes, it does. And what, and so you guys, this is a good, and I'll share with you what, um, just what we do in my, in my family with mm-hmm. any of the children. Um, um, you know, my mom sat us down and had this talk and a lot of times in American homes, you'll hear people reference it as the talk, but it is a talk where your parents sit you down and have to explain to you what to do if a police officer approaches you. Um, And it's, it's really, I remember where I was sitting. I remember literally being so blindsided by it, especially when you grow up with all, you know, I had all white friends. So I really, I I was mad that I had to have, why me, you know? Uh, But um, there's actually the movie, The Hate You Give, my sister actually loves the beginning of it because it starts with a clip of them giving their daughter the talk Mm -hmm. or their son. I can't remember, but it's a really good example of what that conversation um, often looks like. But um, yes, it's and and you know, I, I won't go into too many details, but I've had really, really unfortunate um, uh, situations with police officers. My mother has had unfortunate. I'm shaking my head. I
1: actually like can't even believe it. Like it's, it do they
0: is it just verbal or is it like they physically it's not
2: it's a lot of things I think uh, that you know one thing and I can I would feel comfortable using this as an example um because it happened with my mom but and not to you know I I only want to share this with you just because I think it gives it more perspective yeah. but you know my mom um maybe people might have opinions about what a black person should or shouldn't have or what they, what their place in society should be. And so, you know, my mother is, you know, you've seen her and she's, if okay. she's driving Legend. in a car, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's, we love her. Yeah. If yeah. she's driving in a car that maybe someone doesn't think that, a black woman should have mm-hmm. or where, or might be suspicious about where she where got she that vehicle yeah. or how she has it. And they might get, find a reason to pull her over. And this is what happened when she, with she mm-hmm. and I, like we didn't do anything wrong. They just pulled her over and asked us what we were doing three blocks away from our home. Um, and even a, fur- a block away from, you guys know, my mom does all this stuff where she has her own parking spot, the freaking, <laughs> you know, the city council, yeah. but <laughs> It, but it just to give you in perspective, there's these so many moments like that 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 happen where you're just it's but but more than anything, you have to because they have the ability to they're in control they're yeah. in power, the police yeah. officers power. So I've always my mom will never let us leave the house without if we're going to drive without our driver's license. We were never allowed to do things that other friends of ours did growing up, maybe like going toilet papering and all of these things. My mom's like. Don't you go. cannot do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's too dangerous for you. And um, and she's right. It is. Yeah. it. Re- and so, yeah, but. So would you say that, are you afraid of the police? I don't feel, I don't think the police make me feel safe. I okay. know, I know police officers. I have, there's members of my family are in law enforcement. Um, you know, if I were in Hawaii, the HPD would I feel in danger by the HPD probably not Mm -hmm. um if I'm in Los Angeles and it's the LAPD I'm probably going to be more cautious but the last thing I'm going to feel when I see a LAPD police officer and I'm in my car and I'm alone is a sense of safety Mm. right and And that's the that's the irony they're there to protect Protect you. you yeah right right and, I, and and they, and then and so many and so so many of them do and there's probably been so many circumstances where police officers have protected me but mm-hmm. just because of because of the dynamic that exists it, you just have to be on guard and you're just taught to be that way
1: yeah cuz you just don't know what officer you're going to get or you yeah. know that kind of thing so moving forward so it's
0: this started in june you would say it's well, for us in the media here, it's probably quietened down a little bit. I'm not sure about over there. Do you think it's had enough momentum to for a long-term change?
2: You know, it's really hard to tell. I, yeah. I think um, my sister said something to me the other day um, where she said, if nothing actually good is going to come out of this moment, I wish everybody would just stop because it's just too painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it made me realize that a lo- it's the same, same way that, you know, when something bad happens, there's of course going to be good moments that come out of it. Um, I've said to my friends that are newer allies, and I don't consider <clears throat> you guys in that group. I feel like you're pretty consistent allies, but you know, I have friends that are more in the awakening Real, real awakening phase of this, and I told them, I said, I really, I'm here to always be your supporter. You know, we that goes both ways. You teach me, I teach you, um, but I won't do that with you unless I know you're committed, because mm-hmm. it's just, it. I would rather give my time and energy to someone else that is, um, and it's and again, it's a, it's something I think where a lot of, a, on accident, a lot of my, uh, some uh, white acquaintances, I guess you could say, not really friends, but people that I know will accidentally put it on me. Like it's my responsibility to then now coach them through this moment Mm -hmm. where I think that part is what I think has been the most exhausting for the black community in this moment. It did start to, you saw it started to fatigue everybody. to have to be, this is what you do for Breonna Taylor. This is what you do for this, but it's so important. We're always going to do it. But I think looking further out, I'd be curious um, you know, Patrice Cullors or some of, you know, some of these Black Lives Matter, like actual heads of the organization. I would, I'd be curious to hear their perspective about what they've seen and, and how they see the mo- the momentum that we've received and where that would go. But it, it is a bit disheartening, as I'm sure you guys can know, mm. to see the feeds go back to normal. Yeah. Or to see, it's like people are less interested. So um I that's think that's
1: why I... we wanted to sit down with you today. It's like we wanted to interview you a while ago and, and we were like, mm, I think we should wait a couple of weeks
2: mm.
1: if, for you like emotionally and stuff and because it, it did quiet down and we kind of want to bring back that awareness and that education. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question, Steph, because
0: I classify you as a like a close friend and I want to stand in solidar- solidarity with you and as an mm. ally Mm -hmm. For me, how can I do that moving forward with you? Like what are some things Mm -hmm. I can take on board to be like? How
2: can we be louder too, I would like to know. That's such a great question. I mean, you know, where I, and what I love about our relationship too is I feel like we're so Mm like-minded, right? And so, you know, this is for right now, this is something that, I think is on fire for the black community. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you should treat it as such, but also know and give yourself permission to know that it's more about being consistent long-term. So like, what can you give to me or give to, um, maybe other relationships you have similar, similar to mine is just keep doing that what you're already doing, which is the way we show up to each other in life. Mm -hmm. Be consistent, be bold, be, you know, unapologetic. If someone, i would never question if someone had a problem with me, you two would be the first to be like, tell that person to shut up.
0: Yeah. So I like, I'd it. probably hit them to be <laughs> honest.
1: <laughs> you'd be, you know, you'd be on the, you'd be the on up. the plane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would it's
2: stand like up being bold And like when you hear, you know, I think it, it, a great, great thing that I always encourage my friends to do is I'm not white. So if I'm in a room, Different things are said, right? But some people might say things, you both aren't black. So people might say things when I'm not present that you know I wouldn't be cool with. Mm -hmm. And it's like being cool, not cool with it on my behalf in those moments. That for me, I think is like the real power of of allyship because I can't be everywhere at once, but little bit, little bit over time. And also I want to recognize that It's, it has a lot of momentum right now, but of course it can be overwhelming and you think, oh my gosh, I have to read this book. I got to post on social media. I got to do this. I got to do that. I just tell my friends, I'm like, just try to think about it at least once every day in some way. Yeah. And that maybe if he's literally Googling something, I don't know what that looks like for everybody, you know, yeah. just like how you learn anything else. You just do a little bit, do a little bit, do a little bit.
1: Yeah. In regards to that, I would like to know, because obviously like what we're just saying, we need to educate ourselves more and more, just a little bit every now and then. What would be some documentaries that you would recommend? Because I know you're very into like documentaries and media and all that kind of stuff. Was there anything you would recommend for us to watch and pass on to others to educate ourselves
2: good question um well documentary wise i guess i'd be curious to know what you want to learn about because there's things that i could advise you to watch you know like all of the all of anything that ava duvernay does um Mm -hmm. or produces is going to give you a lot of perspective about black community mm-hmm. and i find her work to be very powerful mm-hmm. um but it's not going to teach you what to do next yeah so um i'd say from a place of education like 13th is very good oh yeah so um, when they see us is um an important series to watch but it's very um uh, uh it's specific around an incident that happened with these young men so it's focused to their experience um but those would be, I would say, would be two that are good. There's there's actually separate of, a, of, a, of something to watch. There's um, a book and a, an article um, called White Fragility that as a black woman, I even read that. And I was like, whoa. Because I think that it was just something where it really just puts things in perspective because oftentimes you'll see and think, shoot, I know stuff's going through this thing and it's affecting her, but from a place of empathy, understanding mm. that the things we're experiencing and the problems that we have also have to do with the actions of other people too. So like yeah. in including yourself in that. Um, and I think that the, that white fragility does a good job of that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other good films that I've seen lately that lend itself to education. Education, I think you guys better is better to just follow people on social media yeah. that have good point of view. Like follow Angela Rye if you're yeah, in love listening her. to we her. We love her, right? Yeah. She's amazing, and she also gives you, I think, very digestible information yeah. that allows you to think about it. Okay, I, I got it. X. Yeah. Um, um, so people like that, I think, are so great um, to just follow. Or like black, black from the black community perspective. Charlemagne, um, the God who's also very good friends with Angela Rye, yeah. is a great person to follow and listen to his, watch his podcast because it's, it, you'll be like a bit more fly on the wall in that um, it's very, very specific to the black community. He doesn't cater what he's talking about to any other audience other than black people. And that's a good way to kind of Oh, kind of get into that. Yeah, that's actually mm-hmm.
1: a good one to do that line mm-hmm. too. I think the most important
0: thing that I'm taking away from this that I'm moving forward when I, I'm educating myself is the whole empathetic point of view. So mm-hmm. when I'm listening or reading um, people's experiences, put yourself in their shoes and feel what they would mm-hmm. be feeling. And then like mm-hmm. stories you were saying before, I'm just like, it, I, it blows my mind and just makes like my heart sad that you have to experience yeah. that.
1: It's because it's it is. It's like as someone with, you know, white white skin, we just have never, ever experienced anything negative like that in our lives. And it, it I literally was sitting there shaking my head. Mm. It's just like I still can't believe that's happening because I've never we've, I've never experienced it yeah. like
2: ever. So it's um, it, and that's and that's why it's so obviously also too why you don't And especially in um, a lot of my relationships, a lot of my friends go, how come you've never told me these things before? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to have to tell you that, you know, I don't want to have to, I don't want to, I don't want to be sharing with you about that. I more importantly, don't want to be experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And I think being anti-racist has been what I've encouraged most of my friends to do is like, how can you be anti-racist every single day? And Mm -hmm. that's going to look different for everyone, you know, but I just think that that, switch of perspective, you know, it's like, I, you know, you're not racist. You yeah. both are not racist. Can you be more anti-racist? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Could I more, you know, everyone can. So it's that, that, that aspect of it, I think switches of it, like into this longer term commitment. Um, and also it takes a little bit of the ease off of it being, okay, I've got to get it right. And I gotta solve for all of it right now. And mm-hmm. I gotta say the right thing and I gotta make the right post. You know, just try it out. Post something, yeah. see how it goes, that that feels uncomfortable, and be like, did that feel like that helps or that hurts? Or was that just me being performative? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that, you know, what it's like. It's different for everybody. Sarah's so mystical on social media. So yeah,
1: I know. That. <laughs> I'm like, is um yeah, it really. Is. Well, I think, like, I've definitely sat here, like I'm just like still, like I said, I'm just shook. I just can't believe this is even a conversation that we have to have, and like
0: I think it's an important one to have, and and I'm I'm so happy that you felt comfortable enough to share your experiences because I know I felt a a bit more connected to the whole cause. Mm -hmm.
2: That's true, and I think that that's what's super important too. You know, it's like um, so first of all, thank you for wanting to have the conversation because it is uncomfortable and it is a lot. And it's so, um, it's so important, but it's also um, it's so accountable of yeah. you guys who want to do that. So in that way, I just, just know that is, if, if you can, if you can keep doing all of that and reminding other people, I think, and especially because you're in Australia for us here, I haven't felt like it's slowed down. I feel like it's slowed a little mm. bit, but it's still, a, it goes in these escalation moments. And with sports coming back, it's going to really, you know, oh, yes. fun. Yeah. it's going to be a lot about what's going to happen with the major league baseball and, the, and and with, especially with the NBA coming back. Um, so it'll really take over our screens again. Um, but yeah, but just allowing it to, even if it loses the momentum in, in, like, your entire country to mm. still not let it lose the momentum for, like, you and your mind and the commitment. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. I will be a lot more louder now that yeah. we're kind of a little bit more educated because, like, yeah, I think a, a lot of Australians are just so clueless yeah. with what's going on and, and yeah.
2: I think Australia, in my experience too, in, in, in being there, what I recognised was a place that wanted to find um, that – it's, it's a joyful, it's a joyful place, you know? And so actually, all the, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're in lockdown. <laughs> Excluding this horrible quarantine we're in, which we know keeps everybody healthy, but we're just yeah trapped, literally trapped in our homes. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's only like, okay, well, it's really easy to say, especially with this stuff that's going on. It's so easy that you guys could just also be like, well, that's a thing that, has to do with America yeah. and really doesn't I have any. Yeah. So it is an extra push. I want to. I want to acknowledge that for both of you, and especially being Australian, it, it's an extra push because it's not smack dab in front of your face every day. You don't have Confederate flags chasing you off the side of the road. You yeah. don't have people, you know, doing ridiculous stuff in your government. Well, I don't know about your government, but our <laughs> <sort of laughs> government. But um, so it is. It, it the layer of uncomfortability. I think is. Where I would just say if like any of your Australian friends were to say, you know, what can we do? What can we say, just like be okay with being uncomfortable and be yeah. okay no know, not knowing what the heck is going on? Half mm-hmm. the time I don't know what's what's going on either. Yeah. I just literally go ask someone that knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, well, we really, oh, wait, maybe we should do the food thing. Oh, yeah. Well, so, okay, it's just weird because we've never done a podcast on Zoom and I completely forgot about this thing. So we're just going to change the subject. Just one, I freaking love you so much. Thank you for coming on and we appreciate you being so open and honest, honest. and vulnerable. Love, but course. Sarah has a little game that we always end our podcast on and you're no different. You're going to play as well. Yay! I've <laughs> heard it. <Okay>. It's a good <laughs> game. So I'll let Sarah take this one over. Well, Mitsubi, you know I love food. You do love food. I you do love food. food. You love
2: you love Italian food. Yeah, yeah I do. That's right. <laughs> um,
0: so Tal and, Tal and I always play this game whenever we're like bored, traveling, always <laughs> comes down to food. <laughs> what would your dying meal be? Entree, main, dessert, and Tal always I, throws
1: a cocktail yeah, in. Throw in the cocktail because why the fuck not? Oh
2: my gosh! Okay, wait. i um, I love this game. Um. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I eat dessert first. Ooh, really? Oh, uh, yes. I've yes. this discussion at Irwan before.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: and, and, like, when I used to live in, actually, in Australia was the first place I got embarrassed to do it because <laughs> I, like it was, it's so embarrassing. Um, and I used to order a sticky date first. But, okay, I, so I would probably, you know, my grandparents had a bakery, so I would oh. want to eat grandfather's coconut cake. Yeah. The best. Oh, my God. And then, wow. um, mm, it's so hard. Uh, cocktail. Mm, probably. It's hard, two? isn't it? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Just tequila. Like, yeah. a big shot of it. Yeah. That's my girl. <laughs> Good one. Ten points. A huge shot of tequila. And then food. I'd probably want to go out with a bang so mm. like a big do you guys like tempura?
1: Yeah, love. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like probably like just like a huge
1: like big seafood tempura.
2: Tempura is yeah. like, you know, like vegetables um, or what? No, seafood, like right? Fried, fried 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 anything. Fried um Japanese like shrimp, yeah, yum. Yeah. Um kabocha squash or those yeah. things. Yeah. Um, can I add something else? Yeah, go for it. Go. Yeah. And then I'd probably add like a slice of pizza. Is that word? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, yeah. you just got 10 and points from my- the Italian for the pizza. <laughs> so to a- <laughs> tequila.
1: What a good I night. I like
2: how of all the questions too, you guys asked me, that was the one I literally, I mean, <laughs> I went, <laughs> i know it's everybody one, gets nervous
1: i'm like guys it's fine it's just your dying meal <laughs> don't stress bless um, um, well i love you mitsuba and thank you for I having this
0: conversation love. we
1: miss you and we wish we we're in la right now and say I hi, mean, to, say so hi to mama
0: mitsuba for me
1: please i absolutely, I absolutely will she already said hey so. hey girl <laughs> <laughs> love you Bye. thank you Bye.